G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And there is a particularly interesting story that you will be gripped by as we get this conversation underway. Uh, There's a story that's due to air on SBS television tonight on the Dateline program at 9.30 if you're making a mental note of the time to tune into SBS tonight. It features what for most of us is an unbelievable circumstance. An SBS videographer spent two weeks in the African nation of Uganda filming a police sting to capture a witch doctor. Now, the Aussie connection in all of this is in the treatment of what for at the time was a seven-year-old boy named Alan, who was savagely cut open with a machete. Now, he was more than two months in a coma before being able to receive reconstructive surgery here in Australia. It's a foreign concept to us here in Australia, but in some places around the world, it's quite a common occurrence that for the sake of witchcraft, children are attacked and even sacrificed by evil, depraved and violent people. Well, in this case, the police sting was the result of an undercover operation. And so our privilege today to welcome to Australia Peter Sewachiridianga from Champizi Childcare Ministries in Uganda. Peter, a special welcome along to 2020. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Peter, we've spoken before and it is always a compelling conversation to hear about the sorts of things that happen in Uganda and for someone in a Christian ministry like yours to be involved in rescuing children. I know there'll be listeners saying, well, this may be some sort of a one-off thing that might have happened with some sort of crazed individual, but uh, this idea of witch doctors, this is quite common in your part of the world. That's true. Yep. So uh, tell us a little about what happens in Uganda. Uh, give us a description of what happens uh, in this uh, issue of where witch doctors are active. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much and good morning uh, to everybody listening to us uh, today. Uh, first of all, Uganda is a beautiful country. It's, uh, uh, it's beauty of life and the beauty of children, and I'm proud to be Ugandan. I call it home. And... Uh, you know, the general uh, view of our country is absolutely the part of Africa. It's beautiful. Uh, unfortunately, child sacrifice that we are talking about this morning is um, happening. Uh, it's a reality. Um, it's started in some isolated communities and villages where we decided to establish our ministry because we realized that Witchcraft was prevalent, widespread there, and witchcraft was the main uh, root uh, of the child sacrifice. So we set camp there. We've established a uh, uh, ministry there to deal with it. But now it has gone widespread. It's not a one-off. At first, for me, um, it started as a one-off. We made a you know, we saw uh, three children that were sacrificed in 2007. We've ha- we had had it before, but at that time we didn't know what to do. So three children within our community were sacrificed together from one same family um, between only the ages of five and ten, and their heads were cut off, their blood were drained, and they died. And the devastation, personally, I saw on the father and the mother and the community was horrifying. And so somehow God plugged me into that uh, to help with the family and the healing and praying and encouragement. And I saw the loopholes that were there in the response with the police and, um, and the, you know, the, 
the social engagement with the family and, the, and siblings, the whole. So we, we decided to help and to respond to to that particular family urgently. But almost certainly after that, you know, many cases we were hearing of. Um, that's when I heard of Alan's case. Uh, and then there was another little boy called George whose genitals were mutilated. And uh, and it became a uh, huge burden on our hearts to respond to. And uh, so we, you know, George literally came into my house and Alan came into my house at that time. We were just grumbling, what do we do? Me and my team sat down and uh, we almost were conf- confused on what to do. Eventually, I went back home. I was devastated because everybody fears which doctors and everybody was discouraging me that there's nothing you can do. You'll be killed. You'll be. I went back in some form of discouragement, opened my Bible straight to Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'll come down from heaven and heal the land. And I was like, right there the answer is prayer. If there's nothing I can do, we can pray. One, to heal the land, to save, bring safety to the children, but also for guidance on what response for us as a people God has called to deal with it and, co- and confront with it firsthand to do. Peter, the first thing that will stand out, I think, in the minds of people hearing this story today is your absolute courage to be able to stand when you know that in your community, as a Christian leader, you're called to confront something that is that grips communities by fear because witch doctors are powerful people. Yeah. And it's not just a one-off. There are many of those Absolutely. in your community. And they, in fact, uh, influence and uh, they uh, manipulate and it is a power issue that they are involved in. And this issue of hurting our children, uh, the idea of child sacrifice, which is so foreign to us, perhaps yeah. in the minds of Australians, that this sort of thing happens in a community like yours. And I know that people will be heartened when they hear that you make this reference back to the Scriptures, uh, that if we're going to confront this as Christians, we need to pray. And the power of prayer undoubtedly will come through in our conversation today. But let me ask you, as we get into this conversation, and uh, we want to tell the story of Alan as well, but this idea of a power confrontation between the forces of darkness on the side of witchcraft and the forces of God on the side of the Christians, uh, how do you describe the power confrontation in your uh, area in Uganda? No, no, it's a reality. Uh, <laughs> certainly there's witchcraft and there's uh, evil. And I think the Bible clearly warns us um, that we are not dealing with flesh and blood. We are dealing with the powers and principalities. First, there is a reality that uh, witchcraft is real and there are people that believe in it. And you have to understand that. And we knew, and its power is there. And it, it that power of, uh, you know, can grip and can manipulate people and completely take over their lives. And the people that are engaged in child sacrifice are doing exactly that. And then whether real or whether engaged into as a form of manipulation is the power of witchcraft. And unfortunately, uh, there has been a huge fear of these witch doctors within our community. So people fear witch doctors, people fear witchcraft, people have put a huge power on it and and a fear. And actually the fear is what uh, escalates witchcraft. And so once that fear is broken, we can actually deal with witchcraft. And so we've realized, and uh, my team and I uh, have grasped and still continue to soak ourselves in, in understanding that we as Christians have been given a bigger power through our faith in Christ to deal with witchcraft and using scripture uh, to not only uh, sometimes of course when you're going to arrest a witch doctor which we are talking about today in normal sense without Christ you go with the anger 
But God has reminded us that when we are resting, which doctor actually go in love. One, God is a God of justice, so we are following uh, the character of God through justice to arrest that witch doctor because, well, you killed a child. You know, there are laws of the land which the Bible clearly says we should adhere to, so you, sh- you shouldn't just go away like that. But when we arrest them, because there's a difficult balance between justice for me and my team, is when you are in court and looking at this witch doctor who killed a child, they are as vulnerable and as, you know, as, you know, vulnerable as well. And you identify with them as fellow human beings. And uh, it's often quite tempting to say, okay, you killed a child, you you go to hell, you know. But actually God wants to change that person. And, uh, and so we've been revealed that even though when we arrest them and take them to prison for life, whatever the judge of the land decides, we have a commission to follow them up into prison and to love them and to share the gospel with them. At the same time, when you take them to prison, you are that, that which doctor has children. And their children are going to be uh, affected by their father going to prison because he's the breadwinner. Our response for us is now, which we didn't look at in the beginning, but the Lord has laid it on our hearts, is that this man has been, is going to be in prison for life. It is your responsibility to balance the justice aspect and take care of his children. Are they in need? Do they need to go to school? So we have a school and they need counseling as well. They, they, in the, you know, the community doesn't look at it that way. Be like, oh, those are children of a witch doctor. And so they are branded witches themselves. They're isolated and left for, to wander for their lives. And they end up desperate. They need counseling at the same time. So we reach out to that. And that way we are able to break the understanding because people will be like, okay, how can you associate with us who are witch doctors? And some of the children have actually healed. Some of the witch doctors in prison have given their life to the Lord. And they go ahead to tell us the people they worked with so we can actually go back and, you know, follow their groups and arrest them. It is a very complex way that you're describing that. But in the context of what's happening in your community, you even have people who are former witch doctors who've assumed roles in your local church. And you have victims of witch doctors uh, who are in your local church as well. So there's a bigger, bigger context when we talk about what it is to be a Christian believer, to be able to... Uh, confront the power of darkness that drives witch doctors to save the victims that are at their hand. And then at the other end of that, uh, to see, just like we might have seen in the scriptures, where the Apostle Paul was a persecutor of the church, but God had an encounter with him in such a way that turned him around to be a champion of the church. And, And we might be able to talk through some of those things. Let's come to Alan's story, because Alan, this young boy who was... Uh, brutally, uh, savagely attacked by a witch doctor. Give us a, an indication here of the sort of injuries that he suffered and an Australian connection, Peter. Yeah. Uh, Alan was seven in 2009 and he was attacked by two witch doctors who were actually family friends. And when he was attacked, when friends or family attack you, most often they want to kill the child because the child knows them and will report or mention them. So what they did to Alan is they had a machete. They stabbed him in the neck and to drain blood usually and to kill. They cut a machete through his um, skull. Almost, it's a miracle that Alan survived. So the skull went, the machete went through the skull and into almost half of his brain, the home, almost all this left side of his brain. Um, and then they castrated him. They cut, um, you know, cut one of his testicles out and left him for dead. They knew for sure that they had killed him. And, of course, the community rallied him up and, you know, went and got him out of the bush when they searched and took him to the hospital and was in a coma for a long time. When he woke up, he was able to tell who um, attacked him and who had cut him 
as a seven-year-old boy, it was during the daytime. He knew, he knew them, and um, so we we were able to get Alan to Kampala, get him some medical attention. Uh, but unfortunately, there was no expertise. Let me say apologies to some listeners who might be confronted by gruesome detail about that attack. And I did want to hear what those injuries were because in understanding what those injuries were, we can contrast what an amazing thing it is that Alan has had some attention from Australian medical doctors who have been able to uh, undertake a reconstruction. And let's go to this part of the story, Peter, because Mm. Alan's woken up out of a coma He'd been in a coma for two months. He can identify his attackers. At this point, the injuries that he's suffered would leave him maimed perhaps for the rest of his life. Sure. Take us into the story of a connection to Australia here. Uh, so this, this, this God works in amazing ways. So as I come to Australia, uh, and I, remember, I don't remember which date then, I was invited to speak at a church in Bandarbag. And I'm on the plane in South Africa. I meet an Australian doctor, uh, Professor Jeff Mitchell, and uh, his wife, Anne Mitchell, who are traveling back from South Africa. And somehow the airline had swapped their tickets. They tried to correct them three times or twice, and still they were sitting in different seats. I end up sitting with uh, Professor Jeff and... Um, and he, we talked and asked me what I was doing, and I, he told me I was, he was a doctor. And as I was leaving Uganda, I left another boy, uh, a good friend of Alan, who suffered similar surgeries, but for him, his genitals were completely mutilated. Mm-hmm. And I left him in the hospital. The doctors had said there was nothing they could do. He was going to have chronic infections, renal failure, and eventually die. And I passed in the hospital. I was totally ripped. I went into the airport toilet. I was wiping my tears and knelt down in the toilet and I was praying. I said, God, do something. So five hours of flight from Kampala to South Africa, I end up sitting with Professor Jeff. So when he tells me he's a doctor, the first thing I told him, look, I have a boy who isn't dying and I'm looking for specialists who can help him. Can you? And I, I remember... Um, He's, you know, to cut the long story short, he connected us to a Brisbane urological surgeon called Dr. Uh, David Winkle. And David Winkle, again, so kindly said, I'll do the surgery for free. And the Brisbane Matter Children's Hospital uh, offered uh, the, the child a free bed. Um, and, and I brought that boy. And then after that, uh, a neurosurgeon from Newcastle contacted us, uh, said, I, I see you have, you know, um, there's another child that needs neurosurgery. We will, I will do it. And Dr. John Christie from the John Hunter Hospital in Newcastle offered to do the surgery. We brought the surgery, the boy here, Alan, um, and he received that surgery and as well. So many Aussie doctors, and as you're naming them, uh, deserving of high honour for the uh, humility that they have shown and uh, treating these boys at no charge and uh, very, very significant. Peter Sewai Dekirianga is our guest from Champisi Childcare Ministries in Uganda. Peter spoke at a dinner on Saturday night. And they're raising funds for a rehabilitation centre in Champisi uh, for victims of child sacrifice. They've raised $134,000 on Saturday night. And I know, uh, Peter, as uh, as our conversation continues, there might be others who might like to make a contribution towards that too. Uh, the website is champisi.org. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Peter Sewa Chidianga, I'll get the pronunciation perfect by the end of the conversation. Uh, Peter's our guest, and just to draw your attention to a significant documentary-style presentation on SBS tonight on the Dateline program that is going to tell a story of a young boy named Alan. 
But the story starts with the apprehension, uh, the police sting that takes out a witch doctor in the nation of Uganda in Africa. We're talking witch doctors. We're talking witchcraft. You can join in our conversation on 1-800-316-316. Peter, let me just ask you, and we'll talk some more about uh, young Alan and your ministry, Champisi Childcare Ministries. Uh, But this idea of witchcraft, for a lot of Aussie families... Uh, there's this sort of romanticism about, you know, little girls dressing up like witches and casting spells. A lot of, of course, those television programs that have have populated uh, Western media uh, that really paint witchcraft in a sort of a friendly, fun way uh, where people feel as though it's a sort of a harmless little exercise, perhaps even pretending Uh, Take us to a little bit of a sobering uh, aspect of what witchcraft really is, Uh, your experience and this idea of a power encounter between the forces of darkness when they come into contact with the Christian believer and the forces of light. Uh, Give us an insight into into witchcraft from your part of the world. Uh, we have a couple of things. Number one, I, I totally believe witchcraft sometimes starts with the small engagements that people actually don't take serious or recognize. Uh, when I was visited Australia the first time, I was introduced to something I didn't know about at all called Halloween. And, uh, and I don't know how people understand it, to be honest. But for me... Uh, I heard people at night, I was sleeping, making noise. It's like, what's going on? Something is is the world. (laughs) And uh, in the morning, they told me it's Halloween's day. So people move out with those things and dress up. And I'm like, oh, gosh, so I saw people around. The next day was Sunday, and I went to a spirit. A friend of mine had had cut his finger, and they took him to the hospital. And uh, I went to pray with him and next to him was a lady who was celebrating Halloween and moving in the in the park in uh, in Bundaberg and um, she saw a snake and she decides to pick up the snake and uh, the snake turns and bites her so I was asking so I went to her just to pray with her I said hey can I pray with you so I said what happened she's like I was celebrating Halloween I love Halloween and I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm like, okay, so I started to look about uh, Halloween, and I'm like, oh, gosh, this is total, in my opinion, celebration of witchcraft. Uh, and that's, that's something I saw here that uh, I think people play, uh, even back home, but uh, in the world, I think we play with such things, and it's slowly they grip into our hearts. And um, at, when, by the end of when you know, you you are already captured and your mind has been taken and manipulated and you are into it. Back home, we have um, uh, occasions where people are initiated into witchcraft. You could be a child. Uh, some people even have shrines and the families gather and initiate you into being the witchcraft head of the family. And they train you, connect you with the spiritual powers to, you know, to connect with the spirits, to be, you know, talking to them. And, and so you become the center of attention for speaking to the spiritual powers, the dead and, and whatever they call it. And, um, and others grow into it by association. Of course, there is power involved here, and we will say that's a spiritual power. It is. And as Christian believers, there's no doubt here. There's black and white. Yeah. Because when we think of the spiritual power that, as Christian believers, we call on, we're calling on the power of God, yeah. the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And it is a very, very strong, powerful yeah. sense of uh, of empowerment that sees the purposes of God fulfilled. On the other side, uh, we're looking at witches, and sometimes people are saying, uh, well, they've got some power, but they don't think that it comes from a dark place. The truth of the matter is... That witchcraft power comes from 
Satan. Yes. That's our Christian way of being able to assess that. How do you assess those sorts of power uh, encounters, Peter? It's by choice. And uh, you have to make a choice uh, to... Of course, Satan, as uh, related to the Bible, is clearly stated that he's come to kill, to destroy human life, and to um, to disorganize our identity in Christ. And so when we have no connection with our God intently and intentionally and follow these black magics and evil worship and and it will make reality to us and it will kill you without you knowing we, you know and that's 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 what i've seen that a lot of people back home like the witch doctors come to reality and they have been completely consumed and you really see that they are, are they're dying but their mind until we make an intention as Christians called to reach out to say, look, you are blinded. And that blinding doesn't sh- show you the, you know, um, the truth of the gospel until we, as people who have known the power of God, reach out and say, look, you are blinded. And so once you get into it by any small involvement, it consumes your life. And of course, God has the power to redeem you out of it, but most certainly it's a choice and it's an outreach that we have to do. And uh, and for us, we have made an intention to reach out to the community because one man can blind the whole community and the whole community engages in, into that witchcraft. And so we go back within our efforts to be able to sensitize the communities to say them, look, these are lies, and we actually demonstrate some of the things and the examples of people that have been affected by that. And witchcraft is real, and we have to be aware to stick into our scriptures, to stick into uh, into a community that understands God so that we, even within the church, sometimes people come and they come to worship God, but they still attached to the witchcraft. And so there's that confusion that you will come to church, but you have to be completely given into the Lord and leave any attachment to witchcraft or any black magic or any spiritism that is not of the Bible. And we emphasize that a lot. It's uh, it's a lie. It, it brings lies to us, yes. As Christians, we recognize that there is a pathway that leads to life, yep. and it is empowered by the power of God. Yep. Uh, on this other broad highway that leads to destruction, there are all sorts of differences, all different dimensions. One of those is very, very much a strong spiritual empowerment, yep. but it's an empowerment that's coming from the dark side, yep. uh, from the devil, this idea of magic and uh, spiritual power that is apart from the power of God. When those two come into contact with one another, we recognize that God has given to us the name of Jesus, yeah. uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, obviously often used yeah. in a power encounter. And what we recognize is that the power on God's side is greater than the power on the dark side. Absolutely. You've got lots of stories to tell about that, Peter. We haven't got a lot of time up to the news, but uh, we might be able to flow through with some more of that conversation after Vision National News. Yeah. Peter, as we tell this story, uh, for some people, they find it almost unbelievable that this sort of thing still happens because they feel as though this sort of spirituality is something that's left behind because in Australia we're somehow a little more advanced and we call ourselves secular and we try to avoid the idea that there are spiritual encounters that are happening. Of course, as Christians, that's no problem for us at all. And for those who are on this dark side, even worshippers of Satan, who have their power in their witchcraft, it's no issue for them either to recognize spiritual power. Just for a moment, though, your thoughts on people who don't think that there are spiritual activities happening, people who call themselves secular, what are your thoughts for them when having your background, knowing what you know? Oh, well, you have to start from 
who has created you, the creator God, is a spiritual being. And he has created us in a way we connect to him is uh, through our spiritual lives and, and our soul. And, uh, uh, you know, and you cannot take that away. People are spiritual. We, if you take away the spiritual aspect of our lives in God, we actually lose meaning and connection to. Uh, and so the, for me, I think the worship of uh, uh, supernatural powers other than God has been around for a long time. Uh, but the devil uses witchcraft uh, to discourage or to distract people from connecting with the holy spirituality in God. And uh, the distractions of secularism have come from the connection to our physical being alone and neglecting our spiritual connection. And once you neglect that, then you probably have lost the purpose of life. It's the purpose of life is not to seek that what uh, satisfies the physical, because the physical is temporary, and the spiritual is what who we are. And if we don't feed the spiritual and connect with our holy God who has created us, we totally lose meaning, and that's why we lose. I find a lot of people who have lost purpose in life. They don't know why they are created. They don't know why they exist. They don't know, and they want to end their lives. They want to, uh, because the pressures of satisfying the physical have taken a toll on them, and they have no capacity to control it. Yet the spiritual, with our connection with God, is what controls our physical. And it's a a huge uh, problem with secularism because secularism is actually looking at mainly to satisfy the physical and <laughs> and it's that wastes away. And I think that there are many who will listen to our conversation today and recognize that this pursuit of satisfying the physical has a big downside uh, when you lack purpose and then you see the rise of anxiety, the rise yeah. of the suicides, yeah. the rise of the dysfunction that happens in families. Uh, that's another story for another day. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Uh, it's a gripping story that we are hearing all about uh, what's happened with this police sting uh, with the apprehension of the witch doctor and with the reconstructive surgery with the boy named Alan. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from John in Somerset in Tasmania. Hello, John. Welcome along. Uh, great to uh, talk with you and Peter. Uh, we may here in Western countries uh, be shocked by the uh, story of Alan and other child sacrifice uh, victims or near victims, uh, but of course we have our own secularised version of child sacrifice that has been medicalised, uh, what is referred to uh, as terminations of pregnancy, uh, many of them for the convenience or the empowerment of those uh, who seek them. John, you raise an important point here, and uh, we'll deal with it quickly, but abortion in Australia has become the leading cause of death. And uh, I wonder whether, Peter, coming from your context in Uganda, as a minister of the gospel, as someone who is in the defense of children, I wonder whether you've got a quick response for John. Uh, thank you, John. I think, uh, uh, again, those are... These are um, those are the effects of secularism, really, and uh, an understanding that life doesn't come from God, and that God sustains life whatever way it comes. Um, we have heard cases of, um, you know, especially I mean in America as well. There is a battle between abortion and uh, authorized killings of children and life and um, that will escalate in communities and countries and places where there has been disconnection with the spiritual God 
that has created us because people don't believe or don't have a connection to God that God creates life and that God sustains life and that whatever child or that is born that God will take care of them just like he looked after us I you know in circumstances I grew up I probably wouldn't have been able to um leave you know but God has sustained me and and that's wrong and I think uh, people have to come back there has been the, ch- the church has to elevate itself to confront it in a loving way and knowing that the people are doing it are blinded but also putting out measures to make them understand that that little child whether at what stage is a child of God and he is in the same form as I was and putting yourself when I'm following up cases I put myself in in the picture that what if this was my child what if this was me Okay, thank you so much to John from Somerset for your call, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Robin is on the line in Queensland. Hello, Robin, welcome. Yes, hello. Um, Look, um, as horrified as we are with what happens in in Africa and places like that, um, we recognise that as witchcraft, but we don't realise that there are many guises of witchcraft and... um, I mean, the Bible says even um, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And, you know, the devil will come in whatever package um, people will accept. And unfortunately, our society is is, um, pushing the boundaries more and more and more toward those sort of uh, things. So uh, we've got to watch out because there's witchcraft here too in, in lots of different ways, even if it's down to the horoscopes or things like that. But, you know, as a caller said before, um, you know, sacrificing babies through abortion. Um, It's all to the same uh, devil, and the devil comes in a package that people will accept. And and our country, more and more, as we push God out of of the picture, out of education, out of government, out of everything else, um, then the devil's going to step in with his witchcraft. Robin, good thought there. A quick response from Peter. Uh, thank you, Robin. Uh, that's certainly true, and I think uh, the church has to still stand firm amidst all this uh, uh, persecution. Witchcraft definitely manifests in different ways, forms, and these are the really. Uh, I will tell you a story. Last week, I met a somebody who'd identified himself as a witch doctor here in Australia. Right. So we have witch doctors in Australia. Yeah, and he told me that uh, he believes in witchcraft. He had five lives. He was in his third life. The first life, he was an African man. The second life, an Indian man. Uh, in the third, fourth life, he was a, a Chinaman building the Great Wall of... And, and he had a star on his hand. And he says, this star protects me. It has all the spiritual powers to protect me. And he goes on and say, do you remember Hitler? Hitler's flag had no star. But then when you look at the American flag and the British flag and, and all those flags had stars... And that's why they won the war. And he had that. And he's like, yeah, witchcraft is what I do. And those, you might not identify them easily here, but they exist in, you know, in different ways. Okay, thank you so much to Robin. And let's take another call. There's still lots of ground to cover, but let's hear from Stephen in Melbourne. Hi, Stephen. Yes, um, I'm just uh, ringing to... Um I wanted to say about witchcraft, it's very, very big in a, in Melbourne and in most parts of, um, most parts of uh, Victoria. And a lot of the churches, mainly churches, that some of the churches that I've been to don't actually teach on witchcraft. They don't teach on discernment. They don't teach on any of this. And I've seen it personally for myself. Um, it does affect the person. I've been affected many times in dreams, in visions. And, um, yeah, just we're not being taught in the church. Um, a lot of them just won't talk about it. Mm. Stephen, good point there. Quick response from Peter. I think every Christian has to have a good realization of what witchcraft is so that when it comes into their faces, they have been not only trained but connected with the Holy Spirit to discern because it's around us. People can come and 
take you into things that are actually witchcraft related and you should be able to discern and say no or you have a limit. And I think the church, in my opinion, needs to train people to understand that there is witchcraft and this is the power we're against it because we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but, you know, against spiritual powers and principalities and they are real, existent, even in westernized culture. You know, it, it's easy to see it back home because it's widely practiced and accepted. Here it's probably not accepted and done secretly, but there is need, I think, for the church to confront it and teach it and also teach people how to resist it and identify it within their communities and societies. Stephen from Melbourne, thank you so much for your call. And when we hear of it being prevalent even here in Australia, and uh, we were talking about being a secularized nation, there is a sense in which the word enchantment is a powerful word in understanding the spirituality that surrounds us. And uh, we talk about enchantment, and then with this idea of a secularizing society, that there would be a disenchantment that might take people out of the reliance on these sort of spiritualities uh, to guide their lives. Of course, one of the big consequences of that is that people will say that there is a disenchantment to our Christianity. And, of course, we'd be interested in the idea of maintaining that spirituality, the idea Mm. that when we are Christian believers, the power of God is a part of us, and he is doing through us those things that will fulfill his purposes. Peter, let me take you to this, uh, what we're going to see tonight. On SBS 9.30 on the Dateline program, when we've got the documentary, the film footage of what happens in the apprehension of this witch doctor, is there uh, in that program that people will see tonight on SBS evidence of this power encounter that happens so far as witch doctors concerned? Uh, how do you describe what people will see tonight? Uh, the documentary will literally focus uh, on a, a hand of uh, one of the attackers of Alan. And so we arrested him after 10 years. But uh, also it has elements where we are in the community sensitizing people about what witch doctors do. And 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 you have to understand there are two ways, two things. In the, There are those that totally believe in witchcraft, but there are those that have come into witchcraft and use magic powers and uh, and and um, uh, concoctions, uh, chemical reactions and concoctions to manipulate people because it has now become an economic issue. It's it's a business, and so they might not even believe in the witchcraft, but now they have come in to use those concoctions to lie to people, whether. You fall on the left, on the right. It's all the work of the devil. And uh, it's using... So we are showing the community and the people that this is what happens. This is mainly what they use. This is how they talk, you know, whether real or masquerading. Uh, be aware. And so then people, you know, so we go into the communities like that. And then we... Um, you see some of the children that we work with that have uh, survived that you know that we, so we are trying to establish a community uh, a campus that has aspects of medical uh, you know rehabilitation but also school and a church because I totally believe for us to be able to confront all these issues and train this the children that we have over six hundred children now we have to teach them about God, teach them understand where their community is, that in your community there is witchcraft, it is, this is what it does to you, resist it, but also encourage them and empower them to give them an education so they can be able to, to sensitize the community, the future. 
It's a fully-fledged witchcraft that is happening in Uganda. And uh, from what I understand, even witch doctors advertise on local radio. As you say, it's a business model that they're operating too. A business model that works with power mm. and manipulation. And people are empowered if they have this opportunity to use magical powers to control other people. You know, I have four daughters and they've all grown up now. But we went through a time when we were raising our four daughters and they'd come home from school and they've been invited to a party and there's people going to be dressing up as witches and uh, all sorts of witch things that were on TV at the time. And uh, I remember our response to them uh, when we would talk about witches and as a Christian family, what we thought of witches. And we didn't focus on the idea that witches were altogether just, you know, talking about these evil aspects. But what we focused on was that witches don't like Jesus. We're Christians. We say that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. His sacrifice has delivered us from our sins. Witches don't like Jesus. In fact, witches hate Jesus. Witches are opposed to Jesus, want to pull down the kingdom of Jesus. When you talk to people about their attitude to witchcraft, how do you describe things like that, Peter? Well, we, first of all, um, bring out the aspect that, look, this is a lie and, you know, and describe the, the, what the Bible talks about, about Saturn and about the manifestations of Saturn, which is witchcraft as well and what they're doing. And some of them might not even have experience of God. And, you know, just like the Bible says, how will people know unless there's somebody who reaches out to them? Oh, how will the gospel be enhanced? So we go in love. And I have friends who are witch doctors, but I have continued conversations. I talk to them. They know I'm a pastor and they want one. For example, I'll tell you one story. We went to a witch doctor close to our place, kind of to visit. I told him, I want to come and visit you. Show me what you're doing. After, as we were leaving, I, say, I asked him, can I pray for you? He said, sure. So we held hands with my team and prayed over. And I had to be bold. I said, God, may you open your eyes to this man and change his situation and take away the evil in this place. The next day we had a big rainstorm and the shrine went flat. And uh, we've been able to reach that man. He never built another one. And he was, you know, to reach to them and tell him about God. And a few times he has come to church. And he's discovering. One of our pastors in our church was a former witch doctor, the first man I met in Champesi, and he believed totally in witchcraft. And, uh, you know, so we told him about the love of God, the peace, and witchcraft uh, kind of controls you in the box, and you are, people are not happy. They are completely stressed, they're completely dying. They are, um, they, they are kind of put in a box or forced into the box and literally waiting for a chance to jump up and let be free. And so, but they have to have an understanding of who God is and, and the love of God and the forgiveness that God has. And that, you know, if you give it up, the powers will not follow you up. Because some people think because they were initiated into it, they were told that if you ever leave this, this initiation, you will die. I had a witch doctor who said to me, you are going to die today because I, I got the children out of that. The initiation. I went, I found an initiation, I called the children away, I told them, this, what you're doing is wrong. Because witchcraft is outlawed in Uganda. Mm -hmm. And this guy told me, you're going to die today. I didn't die even up to now, over 10 years. Peter, undoubtedly, listeners will hear just how courageous you are, because how will they know without a messenger? And yeah. you've put your hand up and you said, I'll be a messenger, a messenger of good news that sees people set free from the bondage and captivity that comes from the power that the witch doctor in fact, it wants to wield in the communities that you're in. We are running short of time. You are building a rehabilitation center in Champisi for victims of child sacrifice. These stories are coming across your uh, agenda, your path every week. 
uh, this is not an isolated incident, but people, when they listen to the SBS Dateline program tonight, which airs tonight on SBS at 9.30, Catching a Witch Doctor, it's entitled, and uh, Peter features strongly in that hour-long presentation on SBS Dateline. So 9.30 tonight. Uh, just to mention, too, that this rehabilitation centre that you're building in Champisi for victims of child sacrifice, at a dinner you spoke at on Saturday night, people were generous in their donations up to $134,000 yes. to be able to sow into the community. You have very good relationship with a, a Brisbane businessman, uh, Rodney Callanan, and uh, Droplets in the Stream is the name of his business. He's taken a specific interest and helped to promote some of the things that are going on in your ministry role. But, Peter, I know that listeners will perhaps some of them will want to actually connect with you, find mm. out more about what's happening in Uganda. Some will want to get on board and be a part of that and will make a donation and uh, raise that figure that is already raised, $134,000. But uh, there is a place you can go to connect with our guest today. Let me give you the website, champisi.org. Now, that's spelt not the way it sounds, K-Y-A-M-P-I-S-I.org, K-Y-A-M-P-I-S-I.org. And our very special guest this past hour has been Peter Sewachiridianga, uh, from Champisi Childcare Ministries in Uganda. Peter, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart and the story of Alan with us uh, today on 2020. Oh, thank you very much. And I'd like to thank uh, the people of Australia uh, for s supporting our work. Uh, thanks to Rodney Droplinson Stream and Bruce Campbell uh, of uh, Entrepreneurship Business Forum for supporting the doctor. And I didn't say, um, you know, Australia is literally the leading in supporting of this work to eradicate, and we are really, really thankful. Well, we're humbled to know that there are those in the medical profession who have been so generous uh, with some of these children who have been offered in child sacrifice and uh, these reconstructive surgeries and this support that's coming from Australian doctors where ourselves heartened to hear uh, that the medical community in Australia has been so generous. Peter, thanks for being with us today on 2020. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.